Hey everyone, you're listening to Ankur Variku on Voice with Variku. On this podcast, I talk to you about entrepreneurship, how to grow in life, manage personal finances, handle failures, and a lot more things that just come to my mind. The episode begins. I'm going to take you back all the way to the year 2003. I was a student in the US. This was, I think, the third semester of my master's program. And we just finished a class where our professor had given us this assignment. And he was convinced that no one will be able to solve it. Like, you know, of those professors where they give you this assignment, they have that look in their eyes where they know nobody in the class will be able to solve it. And they feel so proud about that. That's exactly what it was. He didn't say that nobody will be able to solve it, but everyone could see it on his face. And... I don't know why, why are they these professors who derive pleasure from the pain of students. And this was an individual assignment. So I sat down trying to make it and, oh my God, the professor was right. I, I didn't even know where to start. Like it was just absolute paralysis. I didn't know where to start. And this is the US. So unlike in India where by now I would have called seven of my friends and we would be exchanging notes on how to complete that assignment and tu ye kar le, main wo kar lunga, and so on and so forth. That's, that's not the done thing in the US. There an individual assignment is like sacrosanct. It is an individual assignment. So I'm staring at my textbook, completely clueless. And my eyes go to the name of the author of the book. And this guy is a professor of physics at Princeton University, which is considered to be the OG of physics. Like, that's the place to be. And he's expected to win the Nobel Prize anytime now. Right? So he's basically like Khuda in this field. And I Google him. I land up on his webpage, which is a university-maintained webpage, and that has his email address. So I'm like, let me ask him on how to solve this assignment. Because he'll surely know, considering that we are getting the assignment after reading his textbook. And I draft an email that I wish I had access to right now, but I, that email just went away with my Hotmail email address, which I used to have at that point of time. So it's just there in my head. But this is exactly what happened. In five minutes, I kid you not, in five minutes, I get a response from the professor asking, where are you stuck? And I don't make a big deal out of it. I, I send an email, he replies, that's how it works, right? That's how emails are supposed to work. So I go with that flow and I like, I reply back that, can you come online on Yahoo Messenger? <laughs> I kid you not, that's what I reply to this professor. I ask him to come online on Yahoo Messenger. Now, if you don't know what Yahoo Messenger is, you're way too young for me, but I grant you that liberty. Yahoo Messenger was the equivalent of WhatsApp and Telegram back in those days. And it was the thing. That's what people used to use, but it was like a desktop application. He replies, yes. He replies, yes, to my question, can you come online on Yahoo Messenger? So we come online on Yahoo Messenger. I ask him the questions. He patiently replies. And I actually get my assignment done. I thank him, wish him good night, and we both log off. That's it. I submit the assignment and I am the only student who's completed that assignment. 
the only student that's completed that assignment. And by now, my professor is both impressed but also shattered because he thought nobody would do it. So he calls me and he asks me, how the hell did I get this done? And I, as a matter of fact, tell him, you know, the author of the textbook that we're reading from, he helped me. And he's like, sorry, what? Dr. X helped you? Yes. How did he help you? Well, I, I sent him an email asking for help. He replied, yes, and then he helped me. You sent Dr. X an email asking for homework help? Yes, that's what I did. Let me get that straight. You sent Dr. X an email asking for homework help? I'm like, um, yes, that's what I did. Was I not supposed to do this? You sent Dr. X an email asking for homework help. <laughs> Will you get the drift? Cold emails are awesome. They have always been awesome. Ever since emails came into being, they have been awesome. And here's the truth, that most of you, especially who haven't started working or are very early into their working profession, most people, when they start working, check their emails more often than they check other messages. But most students do not communicate via email. So they think no one else does. And that's wrong. The people who will give you a job, an internship, a freelancing gig, all those opportunities that you need in your career, all of them are checking their emails. So please send them emails. Send them emails. Send emails to people that you do not know of. Oh, no, sorry. I should stand that corrected. I should, no, sorry. I should correct that. Send emails to people who do not know of you, but you know of them. Because that will open doors to opportunities that are not going to be listed on some job portal or a LinkedIn post. It's not going to happen. And I am flooded with examples of how people have written cold emails and it's worked for them. So here are things that you should know about cold emails. Number one, you need to have a different but not a very aggressive subject line. You need to ask yourself, what's the most likely subject line that everyone will tend to write and then you do not write that. So what works? Personalization. For example, if someone's writing me an email saying, hey, I think Vidur and Uzma will love this, then I know that they have done the homework of figuring out what are the names of my kids. Or intrigue. Hey, this is where I first saw you. Okay, I'm going to even open that email. I, I will be tempted to open that email. But when you have common themes, seeking investment, job application, no one's going to open that. They get thousands of emails like that. When you show aggression, your content sucks. Which, by the way, is a true story. Huh? I've got emails with the subject line. Your content sucks. And it wasn't because the content truly sucks in their opinion. It was just to catch attention. Wrong way of doing that. When you use buzzwords, AI, ML startup by a startup founder, you're not going to get that attention. Use your subject lines very very wisely because that's the first thing that people will use to even consider whether they should open the email or not. Number two, the salutation. How do you start the email? 
Hi, uncle. Hey, uncle. Good morning, uncle. Dear Mr. Variku, whatever the case may be, how do you really start? The worst ones are the ones which are ambiguous. I, till date, get emails which start with, Dear Sir slash Ma'am. Seriously? Seriously? You're sending an email to Ankur Variku and you wouldn't know what the gender of Ankur Variku is? Don't optimize for someone else opening that email. If you're sending an email to Ankur Variku, assume that Ankur Variku is opening that email. Another bad one. Hi. That's it. Nothing else. Just a hi. Bad start. Not personalized. Another bad one. What's up, bro? I'm not your bro. I'm not your bro. Don't start with that. Or over-indexing on respect. Guruji. You don't want to start with that. The idea is to strike a warm connect over a medium where your words are reflecting your emotions. Third, the purpose of that email. Assuming you're writing to someone busy, you do them a whole lot of good when you state the purpose of the email right up front. This way they know what they want from you. Sorry, what you want from them. And they will then respond in a yes or a no in their head. It's critical to do that because a lot of people do not like rejection. So the reason we avoid stating the purpose up front or disguising that purpose in a nice, happy, cocooned manner is because we don't want the person to say no. But trust me, when you're sending cold emails, you getting a no from someone is far better than you never getting a response. So it's critical that you don't dilly-dally in the purpose. Just make it very, very clear what the purpose is. What are bad purpose statements? This is a, for a potential collaboration that we wish to explore. Oh my God, it doesn't tell me anything. Doesn't tell me anything. Trying to explore synergies doesn't tell me anything. Want to see where I can fit in the team doesn't tell me anything. What's a good one? I want to show the progress of my startup the current traction we are experiencing and see if you would be interested to invest. That's straightforward. I saw a job posting with a link to that job posting and I feel that I can be a great candidate to that, hence my application for this job. That's a straightforward. Fourth thing, the relevance. Now this is the crux of the conversation where the best emails establish relevance. This requires homework, it requires research, it requires customization. Which is why you cannot, by definition, send more than three to five cold emails a day. Anything more, and you're most likely not going down the path of creating relevance. And in this, you have to find something called SRF, sender, receiver, fit. You're the sender. You have something to offer or to ask that fits what the receiver is seeking or willing to offer. When you do not get a reply, it's simply because there was no SRF or sender, receiver, fit. Finally, the ask. Once you've attempted the SRF, you ask. You ask clearly and precisely. What are the mistakes that people often make? They assume on behalf of the receiver, oh, this must not be important for them. Or they ask very broadly, I'm looking for guidance. Or they don't ask at all, hoping to hear from you. And those are classic mistakes. The ask needs to be very clear. I'm wondering if you can forward this email or this application to the hiring manager. I'm hoping that you can answer these three questions for me. I'm hoping that you can respond to this email with a yes or no 
by tomorrow. Be very clear with the ask. And the last and the final thing is follow-up. This is where most people fail. They take no response as a rejection. While in most cases, it is simply a lack of priority. There are so many emails that the receiver is getting that they are not likely to respond in the first go. So you just follow up, but you follow up once. And in that follow ask, you specify your next step. To make it easy for you, in case I do not hear back, I will assume this isn't priority right now. And I respect that. In case I do not hear back, I hope it is fine that I check back in X, and X could be any time interval. Please let me know if you would much rather not hear from me. That is super clear. That is allowing you to not lose your self-respect and at the same time acknowledge the respect or respect the other person for how busy they could be. Use emails as a powerful tool to create opportunities. If you're not doing that, you're missing out on something significant that the world has to offer that you may not want to tap into right now. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Voice with Variku. To be notified of upcoming episodes, be sure to subscribe and follow the show on this app right now. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show because that just feels nice. Thank you. 